If you love what you hear, check out our authors Andrea Stewart and N.A. Fulton on Amazon.com, and be sure to subscribe to our Dark Romance Novels and Stories podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast provider. Learn more about us at audioiron.com. Pirate's Desire by Andrea Stewart. Chapter 4. You have been working for the man for almost a month. She has not come even once. Henry scowled at the servant over the breadth of his breakfast table. How irritating it was to be thwarted when one had developed the perfect plan. No, your lordship. Said the man, running a hand through his bright red hair. The girl has not been to the earl's abode. I swear it, me lord. Henry found himself regretting that he had spread such wild rumours about the couple across London. Perhaps now neither wished to be seen in the company of the other. But what will you do when she does come? Norfolk asked the quaking servant. Tis sure I will summon thee, sir. Said the man. And what will happen if you delay so much as an instant? The man swallowed, unwilling to speak the words aloud. I will cut your heart out and cook it in front of you. It was a common punishment for Irish treachery in days past, and Norfolk thought it a good one to carry forward into the future. Standards must be maintained after all. You have me oath, me lord. Sweat beaded on the man's forehead and upper lip. His eyes looked everywhere but at Norfolk as he spoke, desperate to escape. I believe she will be on your doorstep within the week. Said Norfolk. So, be vigilant. Do not be away when she calls. Trust me to make good on my promise if anything goes amiss. Norfolk waved a hand to dismiss the man and watched him skitter from the room like a frightened deer. Then he shook his head. He had destroyed so many in his time. Why had Lord Black become such a challenge? In order for his new plan to work, the Black Earl and his little tart simply had to meet. But now it appeared they would not come together of their own accord. So Henry would have to flush the girl out and send her flying toward her lover. If that did not work Henry had no idea what he might do next. Kidnap the girl and invite the earl to save her? Even to him that sounded reckless. Invite the earl to a hunt and put a bullet through his chest? Such an accident would look quite queer given his actions of the last many weeks. No, his current plan simply had to succeed. It was past time to bring this matter to a close. Six weeks after the disastrous ball, Corwin found herself at a private club wishing she could be almost anywhere else on earth. Fires blazed at either end of the club's gambling den, and the long windows that lined one wall were closed and curtained to prevent even a breath of air from entering the room. Garish green carpets, unwashed and overperfumed bodies, drunken conversations and bursts of laughter, she swam through a miasma of ugly sights and sounds. Why had she decided to wear this heavy gown of cream velvet and why was her corset tied so tight she could hardly breathe? Why had she consented to take part in this wretched outing at all? In fact, she felt stupid ever attending any event because she felt like this at the mall. Rising from the chair she had dropped into two hours ago, 
Shortly after their arrival, Corwin approached Christina. When she could she squeezed forward to stand just behind her cousin at the gambling table, then stood on tiptoe to whisper into her ear. I feel quite unwell. She said softly. My head is pounding. Would you be very upset if I had our carriage take me home? I could send it back to you. Christina laughed as if she had said something amusing. Turning to Corwin, she leaned down a little, and replied. I am sorry my darling. If you leave early I fear most of the gentlemen here will believe you are scurrying off to yet another assignation with one of your lovers. You have fled too many engagements after making some such excuse. Christina was smiling as she spoke, brilliant blue eyes flashing merrily as if she were whispering happy secrets rather than warnings. Christina was a consummate actress, entirely fit to live in a city where appearance mattered far more than the reality of things. It will be best if you leave with the rest of us. Can you wait an hour or so? Corwin looked up at her cousin and tried to smile charmingly. Of course. That sounds wonderful. But privately she was dismayed that her previous early departures had been noticed. It seemed she had bound even more scandal to her name. Try your luck, my dear. Said Christina handing her the dice. Everyone knows beginners have the very best luck. She dropped a handful of silver coins on the table with a mischievous smile and a sidelong glance. Let's see if fortune favors you tonight. Corwin obligingly threw the dice and won. In fact she threw another five times and won again and again. She took her first loss as an invitation to hand the dice back to Christina saying. I would not want to press my luck cousin. It is all yours to lose now. Moments later she stood far to one side watching Christina preside over the dozen or more people, mostly men, watching her play. She marveled at her light-hearted banter and her comfort in the public eye. Where had she acquired such skill? Was it something a person could learn? Then again Christina had come to London years ago, had married well, had hosted parties and earned so many true friends. And, since her husband had left her without a child and with an inheritance all her own, she had nothing else to do but entertain or be entertained. A steward interrupted Corwin's contemplation of her cousin's social graces. Milady. He leaned forward to whisper in her ear. Your brother is waiting for you in one of the small sitting rooms. He says he must speak with you immediately. Corwin turned to regard the liveried man who had spoken to her with alarm. Could this be true? Why had Ben come to her here? Her heart skipped a beat. Could he have heard one of the vile stories circulating about her? Had he come to demand an explanation? What on earth would she tell him? Ben ventured every day to his ship anchored in the Pool of London between the tower and London bridges where the big ships prepared to make their long journeys. She had hoped he was too caught up with making plans to leave for the colonies to listen to London gossip. Christina had said this must be the case. Yet now Ben had sought her out here. Take me to him. She said softly. Corwin left Christina playing dice and followed the servant out of the gambling room. She moved into the more private areas of the club, the meeting rooms set aside for card games and more delicate assignations. As she walked Corwin wondered what on earth she would say when Ben confronted her with the terrible lies that he had heard about her. Worse yet if he confronted her about Lord Black and a far more terrible truth. Her face still colored when she thought of the man, of those few stolen moments. She could never deny that he had kissed her. That she had accepted his advances. He would know the lie in an instant. What would she do if Ben chose to call Norfolk out, or worse yet the Earl of Kettering? Either man might kill him. She could just imagine Ben upon the cold ground, blood pouring from his chest. 
having gone up a flight of stairs and down a long hall, Corwin stopped to look back the way they had come. This wasn't something she should handle on her own. Christina must help her. She would know exactly what to say. He is this way my lady. The steward said. He opened a door just to her left. It was too late to turn back. Corwin took a deep breath and stepped into the room. Somehow she would make Ben understand that this madness would blow over sooner or later. Corwin looked around the room until a sharp click made her spin about. So kind of you to accept my invitation Lady Chase. Lord Norfolk placed the key he had used to lock the door into a pocket in his long silver and black dressing gown. His long powdered hair flowed in curls almost to the middle of his back. He was the very picture of an elegant English lord at ease. Corwin saw he had invited her to one of the private bedrooms the club kept for members. A fire was raging in the hearth, and a massive red bed surrounded by red brocade curtains had already been turned down. It has been too long since our last private chat. You will open the door? demanded Corwin. She was at once incredibly relieved and entirely enraged. So Ben had not come to demand an explanation. Henry was just toying with her again. Norfolk did not seem to hear her. It has been so hard to speak with you in private. You are so constantly in the company of your cousin these days. One would think you two are joined at the hip. You will open the door this minute or I will scream to high heaven. How dare you deceive me? Corwin took a step toward Norfolk. In her fury she could imagine nothing more pleasant than slapping that self-satisfied expression off his face. You have no right to abuse me as you do. I have made myself perfectly clear my lord. While other women may allow you to treat them like this, I will not. I never want to see you again. I would never agree to that, my little minx. Said Norfolk shaking his head. I am quite taken with you. In fact I will do anything to have you. Those other women you refer to would suggest you strip and climb into the bed rather than try me further. I would rather die. Corwin spoke without thinking. She was shocked and appalled by the words that came out of Norfolk's mouth, the images he was putting into her head. What a ridiculous thing to say. Said Norfolk with a smile. I do agree that someone should die, but it is counter to my purpose that it be you. He paused, as if contemplating their previous encounters. Instead I will kill those who keep me from you. What on earth are you talking about, my lord? Corwin asked. Your attentions have been directed at another man since we met. Said Norfolk. Once he is out of the way you will give me the attention I am due. Henry moved toward the fire. I think we can agree you are the devil's own whore for driving me to murder. I should really wring your neck. But what man is not a slave to his own desire? He filled a glass with whiskey from a crystal decanter. Black? Corwin queried after a moment's mystification. You want to kill the Earl of Kettering? Shaking her head, she laughed. Have at, my lord. He means nothing to me. She said. In fact he means less than nothing at all. Norfolk frowned as if this idea took him by surprise. Will you say that when you see him hang? If you have a mind for a last tryst with your lover, I bid you make haste. He will see Newgate day after tomorrow. Corwin shrugged. Her heart was pounding, and she didn't like the idea of the Earl's heavy body swinging to and fro on a hangman's rope. But, in truth, it was nothing to do with her. This was none of her doing. I could not care less, if that is what you have brought me here to say, I have heard it. Now unlock the door. Christina will begin to look for me and she will raise this club to the ground to find me. Unless that is part of your plan you must let me go. Norfolk was silent for a moment. 
Perhaps I should pick a new target. He said thoughtfully. What? Asked Corwin. Her blood ran cold as she realized her mistake. Your brother? Your cousin? Who would suit you best? He asked. You cannot be serious. In two days, Lord Black shall be arrested. Norfolk put his empty glass on the mantel over the fire. You will credit my sincerity then. He must be insane, Corwin thought, entirely, terribly, mad. Let us see. Said Norfolk as he came to stand just inches away from her. I believe your brother is due to sail soon. That must be stopped. I suppose I must take away his commission and keep him here in town with us. His pale blue eyes followed the curve of her face, explored the soft mounds that rose from her bodice. Then how shall I treat him? Shall I let him call me out and carve him up like a Sunday roast? Or shall I arrange an accident that leaves him dead on his ship, or find a way to send him overboard and down into a watery grave? An ivory hand rose to caress her lower lip. There is no one I can't kill, my lady. No one at all. And there's no one I will not kill in order to have you. Corwin was too frightened to move, to say anything. Norfolk leaned down to whisper in her ear. So name your price. Who must die so I can have you? The cloying smell of his French cologne wafted over her and his fetid breath stirred her hair. Come, it is not as bad as all that. What can a man do to you that the Earl has not done? I have seen him all but rut with you on the garden walk. You are no stranger to a man's desire. I need time. Corwin simply had to stop him from talking. She couldn't think straight when he spoke. Her thoughts seemed to still, her thoughts stop, when he opened his mouth. She put a hand on his chest tried to push him away as he leaned close to kiss her. His lips touched hers, his tongue explored her lips, found its way between them. His hand came to the small of her back and pulled her close. She could feel his desire through his robe. Corwin twisted away, took several steps back, then gasped. I need time. It is too fast my lord. Too sudden. Please just let me go. Corwin begged him. Finding herself almost at the verge of tears. She did not want to weep before him. But this was too much. This nightmare that had become her life was overwhelming her reason. Should she yield to him now? Could she force herself to? Would that be sufficient to protect her family? Or would he harm them in any case? What kind of a man was this? A half-smile played on Norfolk's lips as he searched her eyes. Run along then. After Black is admitted to Newgate, I will move on to your brother unless you present yourself to me. Send me a note that you've agreed to my little bargain and I will let you know where to go and what to do. Are we agreed? Corwin nodded. She had no choice but to agree to whatever he said and to do whatever he told her. He held the whip hand because he could take away all she held most dear. Norfolk tossed her the key just as a loud pounding startled them both. Lord Norfolk, are you there? Are you there sir? Lady Wakefield has begun asking for her cousin. Corwin turned and unlocked the door. Without a word she swept past the surprised steward and ran down the long hall to the stairs. Once she was gone, and the steward with her, Norfolk's good humor revealed itself in a broad smile of perfect contentment. Things had gone very well indeed. Retrieving the gin, he threw himself into one of the comfortable leather chairs and rang for another servant. He would have them send up one of the willing young ladies the club kept for just such moments. A dark-haired one he could imagine was the girl who had just left the room. He would imagine Lady Chase becoming such a one in the months to come, a debauched creature who would always do exactly as he said. This was proving to be such a wonderfully rewarding night.
Pirate's Desire by Andrea Stewart, voice recording copyright 2019 by Nancy Fulton, music by Alexander Shavarev licensed from Pond5.